Thank you so much. So uh, this week, my wife and I were able to travel to Dayton, Ohio, where the uh, first round of the National Vineyard Conference is happening. So they're kind of doing like the same conference, just like two weeks in a row. I'll be really interested to see how similar it is because, uh, you know, I know even just from back when we used to have two services, preaching one service to the next right after it, uh, man, there's a lot of variance. So it'll be interesting to see how similar it is, but it was fantastic in Dayton. Uh, Powerful experiences of the Holy Spirit, uh, God just pouring himself out on his people as we waited in worship. Um, in particular, uh, during one session, right after worship, uh, Debbie Wright, who is, oversees the, the vineyard in the UK, uh, just said, hey, we're going to do some prophetic and healing ministry. And so she just said, if you get a sense that God, uh, you know, wants to heal a certain kind of ailment, just shout it out. <laughs> and so people all over, and she, you know, she was really having a tough time hearing people. And so people are, you know, right shoulder, you know, depression, you know, like left foot, you know, whatever. And people are just like yelling out different body parts and things that they think God is going to heal. And so she said, okay, if you heard somebody, and maybe they were across the room, whatever, if you heard somebody say something, uh, you know, that was related to an ailment or a, a physical condition or whatever kind of condition you have, would you stand? And so people stand up. She said, okay, most of you are pastors. Everybody here knows how to pray. Uh, those around them, just lay hands on them and pray for healing. We're going to do this like we do it on the street, just real quick and, um, at, you know, brief, uh, you know, just prayer command, just command it to be healed and see what happens. And so I was with a group, and suddenly kind of everybody, like, looked at me. I don't know why. Uh, and so I said, okay, let's pray for this guy. He's got this tennis elbow. So we're praying for this guy's tennis elbow. And I just said, I just said, come Holy Spirit. And then I was like, I'm going to stand back. I feel like God wants to give somebody else a shot at this. And this 20-year-old gal was, was standing right next to him. And, um, and so she just started to kind of meekly, very, you know, uh, meekly pray for healing for this guy's elbow. Uh, and so I said, well, how, how is it? Check it. How, how is it doing? And he starts to move it and do this kind of thing. And he says, it's well, something's going on. And I, I said, what, what are you experiencing? He said, well, it's, it's kind of tingling, and uh, it's actually kind of numb. It was hurting before, but now it's kind of tingling and numb. Kind of that. I said, okay, let's pray again. So we prayed again. And I was like, look, you've got it. You'll pray for him. Do that again. You've got it. What you're doing is working, you know, just encouraging. Um, and so we prayed and we prayed. Uh, it's, it kind of stopped at a, you know, so I said, all right, look, if it's at a 10, if it was at a 10 before we started praying, what, what number is it at now? He said, I think it's at about a 5. It stayed at a five for a little while, and then it got down to about two, and then it kind of seemed to halt, and then, like, Debbie started preaching, so it was like, okay, we need to stop praying, sit down, and pay attention. Well, so then she gets done with her big spiel, uh, and then there's, like, round two of ministry time, you know, at the end, and, uh, and, and, and uh, I look back, and Steve's like, come here, you know, and I come up to him, he says, I'm good, it's totally gone, I, I'm at a zero, I'm totally healed, and, and, and he was talking to somebody else who was telling him about you know, something he was experiencing. So I'm like, dude, you just got healed. Pray for that guy, all right? And then I, the, the little, you know, 20-year-old gal or whoever was kind of like across the room, I like start climbing over chairs to get to her. And I'm like, hey, Steve is good. He just got healed. And I felt like the Lord just told me to look right in her eyes and say, you got it. You've got it. You've got the stuff. You've got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's working through you. And so I was very encouraged. I was, uh, it was great to just be able to participate in 
encouraging people and giving ministry away and to see that God still does the kind of stuff that we read about in this book. Uh, and it was refreshing and, and encouraging and super great. And praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. That's so good. So what happens in Acts chapter 3 is Peter and John are on their way into the, uh, the synagogue and the temple courts, uh, and they see a man who's born lame from birth. And when they see him, they, he's begging, and they say, uh, silver and gold I do not have to, you, have to give, but what, I do, but what we do have we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And they lift him up, and the guy gets up and starts jumping and dancing. Now, the thing is, is that this guy had been, uh, you know, he was in his 40s, and he had been begging his whole life. And so everyone who had been to the temple had seen this guy begging there before. And so he starts running around and jumping in, in, in the temple and praising God. Peter delivers this powerful sermon, and then we pick up here in Acts chapter 4 when there's a bit of a crackdown. It's, uh, yeah, so previously in Acts, John and Peter demonstrate healing, a well-known 40-year-old man lame from birth, and then declare how Jesus is the Messiah uh, as this is a sign. And last week, we said that signs and wonders are for normal people. They happen today, uh, as testimony and experience bear witness. Uh, and the reason that they happen is to make Jesus known. Uh, it is so that people can come to know the Lord uh, and trust in him as Lord and Savior. So, but sometimes people don't like that. So uh, this is what happens in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and many others of the high priest's family. Uh, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone, quoting uh, Isaiah there. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The thing about the Holy Spirit that I think God wants to uh, encourage us with this morning is that if you follow God, if you really listen to him, the Holy Spirit will get you in trouble. The Holy Spirit will put you in situations in which you are in conflict with the powers and principalities of this present evil age, in which you come up against the the spirit or the zeitgeist of our culture, uh, and you will be out of step. The Holy Spirit is always out of step with any culture, uh, and Ours is no exception. Uh, But the reason you'll get into trouble will be good, and it will be worth it. You'll get into trouble because people are being healed. You'll get into trouble because uh, the power power dynamics are shifting and people are turning to God, that they're turning away from the power structures that are built by men uh, and are turning uh, turning to Jesus that 
if you will, the Holy Spirit works in such a way that though we, we come into conflict and we get into trouble, uh, it's for really good reasons. Uh, it's for godly reasons. People are healed. People are restored. People who, you know, their fate was set. They've been lame for 40 years are suddenly healed. They thought their destiny was certain, and God brings hope and renewal and changes that person's life. Now, here's the thing, is that oftentimes we look at a story like this, and we look at this example of Peter, and I think it's easy for us to say, man, I wish I had that kind of courage right now. I, I just want to do this right now. And there is some wisdom in that. Like, there is some wisdom in taking a risk and being full of faith and just believing that, like, at any minute, God's kingdom could break in, healing could happen, that would be fantastic. And we have a theology that makes room for that not happening too, right? I mean, Peter and John were still put in jail, right? I mean, clearly everything isn't as it should be. And sometimes we pray for healing and it doesn't happen. We know how to interpret that. We just know that the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. When it happens, the kingdom is now. When it doesn't, the kingdom is not yet. But I think that sometimes we can be tempted to forget all of the work and all of the journey that led up to this moment where Peter faithfully and, and bravely, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, preaches to the people that he's with and preaches to the, you know, and, and speaks truth to power, right? So if we look, you know, Acts is written by the same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke, and we start back in chapter 5. It was in chapter 5 of Luke that Peter started, right? And then, you know, he spends some time with Jesus and the other disciples, and then Jesus sends him and others out to, to heal and to, and to herald, to, to demonstrate and proclaim the kingdom of God is near, right? Shortly after that, uh, you know, Peter recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah, and he says, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, and because I'm the Messiah, I'm going to be crucified. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Right? So, so Peter has this experience of both being like the A student, you know, top of the class, and then the next moment, the very next thing he says is so wrong, uh, you know, trying to rebuke Jesus for, for going to the cross that Jesus calls him Satan, right? Uh, if we look outside the Gospel of Luke in Matthew 14, we see that there, P Peter had this experience where he walked on water with Jesus, right? And, and, and Jesus walks with him, holding hands uh, on the waves back to the boat in that moment when Peter doubts. Uh, there's a lot of discipleship that happens in between. And then towards the end of Jesus' life, Peter's there at the Last Supper. Uh, he, sees the, he, he, he hears Jesus say, you know, uh, you'll deny me three times, even as Peter is like, Lord, we'll never, we'll never let you get crucified. Peter, and Jesus says, before the rooster crows, right? And then it happens. And we have this kind of real low moment where Peter ghosts on Jesus, right? He abandons loyalty to his Lord, and in, in the moment of Jesus' greatest need, he's not there for him. Uh, but then in John 21, we have the story of Peter being reinstated by the resurrected Jesus, right? That's not the end of the story. Even though Peter was faithless, God was faithful, and, and puts him, and, and forgives him, and restores him, and, and gives him uh, his, his, his uh, leadership back, and, and, and shares grace with Peter. He, he, he forgives him and welcomes him back. That's got to be a really formative moment in Peter's life. Then in, in Acts chapter 2, the, the Holy Spirit comes, right? The, the, the apostles are waiting to be empowered by God, and then he comes. And then in chapter 3 and 4, he heals this guy, right? Okay, so if we start the story here, 
forgetting all of this, I'm not sure that we will ever get here. And so I just want us to consider this morning that the work of God is often slower than we want it to be, even while it can go really fast, really quick at any moment. But we want to do this over the long haul. We want to do this as a way of life and as a way of being, okay? And so the question that I'd like us to consider, and here's what we're going to do. So you're going to find a group of three people, okay? Try to keep it three or less. Uh, if, uh, if, you need, if you need somebody to round a group out or if you're all by yourself, come find me. We'll get you, we'll get you hooked up. But we want to try and keep groups of three or less because otherwise we talk too long. And just kind of share maybe in like one or two sentences where you feel like you are on your timeline. Where are you at on your spiritual journey? Are you, on a, are you in a valley? Are you in a peak? Uh, is this a time when you're really close to God? Is this a time when you've experienced some tension and maybe some questioning? Um, it's a, it's a journey. It's a story. Where are you at? And if you feel comfortable, just share that. Now, if this is your first time here, you're kind of just feeling things out, or you're feeling introverted today, whatever reason, you can say, hey, you know, I'd rather just listen. There's no pressure. But if you feel comfortable, just share. Where are you at on your journey of spirit formation? All right? Take a few minutes. Let's talk about that. So hopefully everybody got a chance to kind of talk a little bit. And I think that what's often true is that, you know, there's, there's a sense in which we trust God and everything's okay, right? Like that's the main thing. And that's really true. But it certainly doesn't always feel that way, right? And we, we often have the tension of, you know, hey, God, I stepped out and faith and prayed, and then I got thrown in jail, you know, or, or I stepped out and I, I helped somebody, and they didn't even care, you know, they, they treated me like nothing, they treated me like dirt, or, you know, and, and so especially in our American uh, understanding of Christianity, I think this can be challenging for us in our faith, because we're used to things just working, and we're used to things working well for us, and so then when we experience trouble, either, um, persecution or, you know, in ourselves, sin and doubt that we are, are wrestling with, um, or even just some really natural, you know, not, not like rebellious doubt, but like just honest questioning, like trying to wrap our minds around what it means to live this out and, and, and work out faith. Uh, it can be natural to, to experience some trouble, some ups and downs, all right? Well, I want to, I want to just kind of re- replay and, um, read this quote from John Wimber that Phil brought up at the National Conference in Dayton this weekend. This is what John Wimber kind of has to say about this journey with God over the long haul. He says that the economy of the kingdom of God is quite simple. Every new step in the kingdom costs us everything we have gained to date. Every new step may cost us all the reputation and security we have accumulated to that point. The disciple is always ready to take the next step. If there is anything that characterizes Christian maturity, it is the willingness to become a beginner again for Jesus Christ. It is the willingness to put our hand to his, in his and say, I'm scared half to death, but I'll go with you, Lord. I'll risk everything to go with you. You are the pearl of great price. 
And the thing that we encounter when we see this story played out is that, you know, it's not like it's one and done and then everybody's happy ever after, right? Like Peter and John and Paul and all these people that we read about in the scriptures, they are continually uh, just in conflict and, and, and difficulty in their lives as Christians, but they stay faithful and they remain trusting in the Lord. And so, we pick up here in, in verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further to the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. Whoa. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And there's that witness identity again, right? Like they've been shaped by these experiences. They can't deny the truth that they've experienced. After further threats, they decided to let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So here's what I think that God really wants us to take from this passage today. Persisting in faith comes from a being orientation to faith, all right? It comes from a being orientation to faith. There are acts that we do. There are risks that we take. There are prayers that we pray. There are scriptures that we read. There are disciplines that we engage in. But if those aren't coming from the character that God is forming in us, if those aren't coming from an experience of his love that has shaped us and made us who we are, uh, then we're going to we're going to falter. We're going we're gonna to be here and there. What, what, what helps us persist in faith over the long haul is a being orientation. It's understanding my identity. I am a witness to Jesus Christ. I have seen him do things I cannot deny. And though I might doubt them sometimes, and I can rationalize, and I can always come up with another explanation, it's not as though faith ever stops being a choice. Uh, I, I have been shaped by the love of God. I have experienced it directly, and I am a child of God. I am bought at a price. I am shaped and formed by his work in my heart. That's the kind of being that results in a persistent faith. That kind of being orientation comes from experiencing God. When we encounter him directly, he shapes us and forms us and changes our very nature. He takes the sin out and puts righteousness in. He takes the pain out and puts healing in. He takes the selfishness out and puts care and love for others in. He takes the, he takes the, the pain and the hurt that others have, have placed on us, and he, he gives us the ability to forgive and to trust him as a just judge and to free us from the bitterness that would strangle our lives. When we experience God, he changes our being and he helps us persist in faith. A real a somewhat notable uh, thing that's been going around the internet, I don't know if you've seen this meme, this couple in, uh, in Brazil, this photographer, uh, after seeing some war-torn countries, he came home uh, and w- you know, thought, I'm just going to go back home to my 
lush, uh, you know, jungle um, neighborhood in, in, uh, in Brazil. And when he got there, he found this. He found that, that the, all the trees had been cleared, that the land had been ravaged, that, that, uh, that everything had been basically destroyed and the environment uh, was really unhealthy and destitute. It was a desert. Um, um, and so he then, with his wife, uh, pers- persisted in planting, I think, 100 trees every year for 20 years. Okay? That's a lot of trees, right? And, and if you plant the ones that, that prom- promote themselves. And so over the course of 20 years, now this is, this, this is what it looks like. I don't know. I just I find that to be such an inspiring example of a life well lived, of just like small actions over time, consistently from his values, from his being, just saying, "I'm going to walk this out. I'm going to plant a tree today. I'm going to plant a tree the next day. I'm going to plant a tree the next day." Just slowly, consistently persisting over time from a from a being orientation. You know, I think that. So much in our lives is those practices that come from character that we have developed. You know, if you want a good marriage, you wake up and you be nice to your spouse. And the next day you wake up and you be nice to your spouse. And then the next day you wake up and you be nice to your spouse. And then the next day you struggle a little bit, but you still try to wake up and be nice to your spouse. You ask for forgiveness, you move on. It's a daily slow grind. If you want to build wealth, you wake up and you spend less than you make. And then the next day you spend less than you make. And 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 eventually you build wealth. That many things in our lives take this kind of slow, plodding, deliberate, persistent faith that it's going to happen to work out. Right? And so persisting in faith comes from that being orientation, from that character, and the ability to do the same thing over and over. And so, the question I'd like for us to, experience, to, to consider, uh, I feel like we're probably, uh, even in that first question, are uncovering some things that are hard, right? You know, uh, for most of us, it's not just, you know, uh, uh, an experience of up and to the right. You know, our graph doesn't just continue to increase. It doesn't just go straight. It's a little more, you know, ah, yeah. And so, and so if, if you've experienced some discouragement or resistance, particularly in your faith with Jesus, you know, in those areas, if you sense God inviting you to persist, let's talk about those, all right? So in what area that you've experienced discouragement or resistance, do you sense God inviting you to continue? Talk about that, and then we'll pray. All right. So. Just briefly. All right. Um, So. We want to take some time to pray for each other. I hate to shut it down. But, um, so, we've probably uncovered some things that it would be good to get God's help with this morning, right? Uh, with that first question and then, and then with this one, you know, uh, we're kind of in touch with our need 
for God. And that's by design. You know, the, the, the idea is that we want to find those things where we really need God to, to intervene and ask God to do that, and then hopefully he will. Um, so probably have some ideas of things you want to pray about already. There's also a thing that happens every Sunday morning. Uh, we have a, a small group of people that are praying and listening and asking God what his idea is, what his agenda is for, for today, and just asking for, you know, those words of knowledge, things like, you know, left shoulder or right arm, whatever, you know, that kind of stuff so that we can let the Holy Spirit direct us in how we pray. And um, that's going to be meeting uh, this, this week. We tried it in the office, and it seemed to, I think, go okay, maybe, hopefully. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, anyway, so uh, probably in the office next week at 1015, if you want to be part of that, just show up early and hang out in the office, and we'll pray, and then we'll share these words. Well, there are two words. Um, first is that somebody needs God's guidance in a big decision, and the person who was praying saw a house. So if that's meaningful to you, maybe ask for prayer about that. Uh, two, someone is in transition and needs God's help to make it go smoothly. Um, and so, um, yeah, God... God is with you in that and sees you and wants to help you make that go smoothly. And I would, just add, I would just go ahead and add, you know, we talked a lot about different identity issues um, today. And if you're struggling with feeling like I'm the kind of person who shares my faith, um, and I share my faith whether it feels good or not, whether a person responds or not, um, I feel like there's an invitation from God to, to kind of reorient our being orientation with that issue specifically this morning. Um, and, and that God has a lot of grace and encouragement to give um, in, in that area in particular. Or if there's anything else that you want prayer about. So let me pray for us. And then, you know, since we're already kind of in groups, uh, if you want to pray in your group, um, that's, that's a good idea about anything. Um, but let me pray for a general blessing over us, and then um, we'll, uh, we'll pray for each other. So, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. God, I ask that you would reveal the things in our heart that you want to bless and encourage. And anything that needs to be pruned, Lord, I ask that you just gently would put your finger on that and take that away. Lord, I pray that we just would be the kind of people that you've called us to be, who persist through difficulty because of our identity in you. Lord, I ask that you would re help us to recall all the good things that you've given us and done to us and all those, those moments that have formed us, that we could hang our hat on those and sort of remember them and let them change our being. Lord, I ask that we would pray in faith and humility uh, in this next time as we pray for each other, and I ask that we would carry that wherever we go this week. I just ask for all those things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, turn my mic off prematurely. If you would like prayer, there's no forcing prayer, right? But probably some things have come up. Um,
you would like prayer, ask for prayer. Uh, try to pray for at least one person in every group before we go, and then go get your kids so that uh, they are not turning into pumpkins. All right? Love you guys. See you next week.